Yeah, what a great morning so far, huh? Awesome. Phenomenal uh, worship time. Truly enjoyed that. Uh, you guys did a great job. And I'm just going to say it as well. I told them already, but I really enjoy hearing a drum up there again. Thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much, Ben. For, uh, thank you, God, for leading this family to us, but thank you so much for your willingness to get involved and uh, to put up with our worship team. <laughs> Women that want to speak out. I don't know. Just kidding. Just kidding. That was a joke. You had to be here at the 10 o'clock practice. All right. Um, but I, I appreciate everybody that does everything here. And I'm so glad that you were here today. I know there's a lot going on. Uh, people are at the parade and Holyoke. Uh, but I'm so thankful that you chose to be out here today. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, if you will. 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, and uh, I'm not going to tell you who they are. Uh, I'll let you guess or, or talk or ask and get to know people. But right now, I believe the total right now is six babies that are... Well, the babies aren't expecting, but the, the families, there are six babies being are, that are expecting to be born at some point in this year here at New Life. Last, what did we have last year? Five or six? A lot. We had a lot last year, too. So... Um, but uh, there are, there, yeah, raise your hand. <laughs> um, but we have a, a, a it's, it's so cool. And uh, I say that to say this, it, it's showing that uh, our church is um, thriving throughout the generations. And uh, there was a time when that wasn't true, but we have a lot of uh, younger families here. And uh, it's, it's good to see. It's a future for the children's ministry, job security for Bob's, Bob's wife. <clears throat> All right. We've been doing it for the last few weeks. Our, this year, uh, for those of you who, who uh, are newer here, this year our theme is Each One Reach One. And it's all about evangelism, all about learning how, uh, learning our responsibility for reaching out to others, reaching other people with the love of Jesus Christ and the message of Jesus Christ. And then learning uh, about that message, what it means, what, it was all, what it's all about, what Jesus himself said about it, and learning what our responsibility and how to share our story. Um, that's, what, that's what this whole year is going to be about. We're talking about the Great Commission. The last several weeks we've been on the Great Commission, four factors in the Great Commission. We've come to the fourth factor in the Great Commission today, and the fourth factor is the transparency factor. The transparency factor. Um, after this series, we're going to be um, going into the parables of Jesus. And then we're going to be looking at some of the one-on-one -on -one confrontations that Jesus had and how he interacted with individuals uh, in his life to share with them. I'll share with you as well, uh, we have a very special uh, Sunday coming up, April 14th. Those of you who don't know, the gentleman sitting back in the back uh, is my father. He's in the very sharp-looking uh, checkered shirt. Uh, uh, my dad is the founding pastor of New Life Church. He moved up here. Uh, I moved with him, <laughs> our family. In 1976, he had done 20 years in the Navy, he pastored a couple other churches. God brought him up here, and um, he started this church. And it started over in Springfield on uh, um, Hanson Drive, and bought this property, moved here in 77, and been here ever since. And my dad has been a part of this church for 40-some years, uh, since the inception of this church. And... Uh, on April 14th, his birthday is April 13th, he'll be 85 years old on that day. He still teaches a Bible study uh, on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, still, still able to come and be a part of that if you want. But my dad will be preaching on April 14th, and um, kind of chokes me up a little bit. It's his last sermon. So um, you'll want to be here for that. Uh, I was raised on his preaching, uh, I was taught by him. Uh, and uh, he is going to be preaching that Sunday, so you'll want to be here to hear uh, my dad preach that sermon. Um, but we're talking about the transparency factor. Got a little transparent there myself. Um, but the fourth and final factor um, that prepares us to fulfill the Great Commission is transparency. And here's the working definition that I have for transparency as a Christian to be up on the board. The ability to be a real person and to share your real life and real experiences, especially in light of your faith, to give praise to God for his blessings in your life and shine a light of hope to others in need of Jesus. 
That's what it means to be transparent, to be open to others, to be able to share what goes on in your life in light of what Jesus has done for you. That's what being transparent as a Christian is all about. First Peter is our text. First uh, Peter chapter three, verses 15 and 16. And it says this, but in your hearts, regard Christ, the Lord is holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. If you're in the habit of underlining or highlighting your Bible, that's a powerful phrase to underline or highlight a reason for the hope that is in you. That's what it's all about for us as Christians. We have hope in a hopeless time, in a hopeless world. We have hope. And it's our responsibility given to us by God himself to share our faith because of what he's done for us. We go on, it says, yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. It's not just standing on a street corner on the top of a soapbox shouting, repent, the end is near right? Wearing a sandwich board. Some of you may not be old enough to remember those uh, cartoons in the, in the newspapers with the guy uh, wearing the sandwich board, a long beard, repent, the end is near. Uh, that's, that's not, we're not called to be offensive. The Bible says, Jesus himself said that he will be a rock of offense, but we're not called to be offensive. We're called to be witnesses and we're called to share our faith in a way that is, um, not necessarily palatable, but that is uh, acceptable and is kind and loving, but is truthful as well. And that's what this, uh, that's what this message is going to be. It's going to take us a couple weeks to get through it, but that would, that's what this message is about. Now, this fourth factor in this series on the Great Commission, in my opinion, is the most difficult factor to put into place and to practice in our lives. Save the best for last, right? It's absolutely, in my opinion, the most difficult. We've talked about the accountability factor. We've talked about the reliability factor. And we've talked about the sustainability factor, being able to keep going no matter what and in spite of what happens in your life. Those are not easy as Christians. And we covered all of that, how it is difficult to sustain. It's difficult to be accountable. It's difficult to stay reliable. It truly is, especially when you look at, I mean, you, you, you probably talk with your friends about it all the time. I'm just a volunteer. I don't get paid for this. And I don't get paid for this to put up with that, right? Have you ever, have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? I would go on. We're, we're being transparent today, right? Right? I'm just a volunteer. I don't get paid to put up with this stuff. Okay, that's what people, so to stay reliable and to stay accountable in a church situation when you can just walk out the door and go find another one is a very difficult thing to do. But more difficult than that is what we're going to be talking about over the next couple weeks. Transparency. Why? Because those factors, those first three factors, accountability, reliability, and sustainability, you can incorporate and practice in your life without ever really having to reach out to anyone outside of your faith, right? Accountability, you're not called to be accountable to, um, to the guy down the street. I was waving to my, one of my boys there, by the way. Um, we're not account- you're not accountable to, to uh, you're not called to be accountable to someone outside of faith. The ca- accountability as a Christian is with other believers, the Bible says that we as believers should be able to hold each other accountable or be able to talk with each other. Reliability, I mean, yeah, you're supposed to be reliable at work, but when we talk about the reliability towards the Great Commission, that's about being faithful to church. Sustainability. You can do those three without ever reaching out to anybody outside of your faith. They lay the foundation. And they serve to keep you in line with Jesus and give you credibility as a follower of Jesus. That makes sense? Those three give you the credibility you need as a follower of Jesus. Because people need to be able to trust us and and, uh, accept the fact that we really do believe and live what we say we do. 
But as I said, you can practice those without ever sharing your faith with anyone else. But transparency is different. Transparency requires vulnerability. And by its very definition, transparency, our working definition, by its very definition, transparency requires contact with other human beings. To be transparent as a Christian means that you don't conceal or hide your story. That your life and your faith are out there for everyone to see, examine, and question. See why it's so difficult? See why it's so tough? Because you are stepping out and taking a stand for what you believe and saying, this is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I've chosen to be. This is what I've chosen to follow. This is the way I've chosen to live. And this is where I am putting my faith and trust. It is, it is um, been no more clear to me in my life than it has been over the last four or five months. And I've shared this several times on Sunday and in our Bible study on, Bible study on Wednesday night. That the line, the dividing line between Christian truth and biblical truth and the world and the world's thoughts and the world's post-truth mentality has never been more stark, never been more different, never been more obvious, right? The, what, what the world stands for right now, what those outside of faith stand for is so blatantly contradictory with the teachings of the word of God that standing for truth is it's easy to make that definition of what we believe truth is, but it also puts you on the side of, shall we say, unpopularity, right? It puts you in a situation where you're not going to be the most pop. You're not going to be invited to parties many times because of your stand, because of your faith, just the way it is. You'll be the topic at some parties, but you're not going to be. Uh, it, it does not make you the most popular person in town, that's for sure. Understand this. Transparency doesn't mean... Now, this is very important as we go through this. I want you to understand this. Transparency doesn't mean that everyone knows your business. You don't have to live your life on Facebook. You don't have to live your life on Insta, Instagram, right? Instagram and Snapchat, not Instachat and Snapgram, right? <laughs> Instagram and Snapchat. You don't have to live your life on those things, okay? If you're under 30, let me make that clear. You don't have to live your life on social media, guys. You don't have to put everything out there. But what it does mean is that you don't live a lie. That your motivation and actions are true to your purpose and character as a believer. That you are an open book when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Ready to give an answer to everyone who asks of the hope that is in you. Remember, I used this quote a few months ago. Remember this, it'll be on the screen as well. Only God can turn a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a victim into a victory. Only God can do that. We don't have to force the issue. If we will follow him, if we'll put those first three into practice, then transparency, while it may not be easy, but it will be obvious. Okay, Proverbs 11 verse 30 tells us this. The fruit of a righteous person is a tree of life and a winner of souls is wise. A winner of souls is wise. Now, knowing what's at stake and the great need of Jesus and his love, especially in our area in particular, I believe that it's absolutely vital that each of us learn the importance of being transparent about our faith with those in our lives, who we come in contact with, those we, who we interact with. There's a reason why you make the contacts you make. There's a reason why God leads you to where he leads you. There, there's a reason why you have those, uh, those connections that you may not understand and you can't even explain, but they're there. Because it is important and vital that we as believers live and share our faith. The first thing I want to look at in transparency is our model. Jesus doesn't just tell us to do something. He modeled it for us. So the first thing we see is this. Jesus was transparent. Jesus was transparent in his life. In John chapter 14, verse 6, 
It says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is becoming very popular in a sad way in a lot of churches today that it's accepting of several different ways to heaven. That everybody's got to find their own path. Listen, if you are a follower of Christ and you believe in the word of God, there could not be anything more destructive to the truth of the word of God than to say that there's more than one way for a person to get to heaven. But what about, and I'm just, I'm going to be very honest. What about the billion Muslims in this world? They need to find Jesus. They need to find Jesus. Okay. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings and I'm sorry if that insults you, but it's true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know what else that kicks out? You being good enough to get to heaven. You can't earn your way. That kicks out the Jehovah's Witnesses. That kicks out the Mormons. Because they teach that you can be good enough. And in many, in many churches, I'm going to go ahead and say, since I'm already in the water, I might as well dive in fully. That, that also kicks out many Catholics. Because of the... And many of you are former Catholics, and you know you were taught that being a good Catholic and uh, growing up and following the teachings of the Catholic church, that you will spend time, you may spend some time in purgatory, but your good works will eventually outweigh your bad works. Listen, I'm not being mean. I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you what the Bible has to say. Jesus was transparent. He was loving. He was compassionate. He was graceful, but he was also truthful and honest and transparent. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father. No one gets to heaven unless they come through me. John 18, 37, Pilate was speaking. This is as Jesus was going through the Passion. It was as the time that we're in right now leads up to uh, Easter. Jesus was brought before Pilate. Pilate says, you are a king then. Jesus replied, you say that I am a king. I was born for this. And I have come into this world for this. To testify to the truth. Uh, man. Now I read, I, I, my, the verses I use come out of the, uh, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. But do you hear that? I mean, that, that's, just, that's just so powerful that Jesus would say, would say this. I was born for this. And I have come into the world for this. This is why I'm here. This was the purpose for which I was born. The reason I have lived, the reason I have spent the last three years ministering and reaching out and telling other people about my love and showing that and healing and doing everything I could to help people understand that I'm not just some ordinary person. I am Jesus. I am the the great God of all time. I am that I am. And I have come down here to die for the sins of the world, which includes you, Pilate. This is why I am here. I was born for this. Can I, can I take a little offshoot from that statement to say to those of you who have accepted Christ as your savior, you were saved for this. You're here for this. This is what it's all about. It's not about making all you can. It's not about being secure in, in the comforts of being an American. It's not about getting your kids into the best college possible. It's not about preparing life for, for life in retirement. It's about living a life in such a way that you have the opportunity to share the truth, the truth of life and eternity with others. Jesus said so himself. And in John 6, 51 Jesus said this, and this was a powerful statement as well. If you go on through John chapter 6 and you get to verse 66, you'll find that it said that after he said these words, he gave this whole uh, speech to to the group of followers. After he said these words, many turned around and stopped following him. They went back home. People walked away and quit. See, Jesus, not everybody that Jesus encountered accepted him. Remember the story of the rich young ruler? That wasn't a parable. That was a true story. Young man came to him and he says, I've, I've got all this. What do, what do I lack? And Jesus said, in other words, don't trust in yourself, trust in me. 
And because the man did not want to do that, he walked away from Jesus. But when Jesus, uh, in, in, in John chapter 6, Jesus said these words, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I am the living bread. This, you must take part in me. You must follow me. You must accept me. You must invite me into your life if you want to get out of this world alive, spiritually speaking. I am the bread of life. Jesus was incredibly transparent. He didn't hide anything. There are those who tell you where Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus didn't claim. He did too. Oh my gosh. Open your Bible. Read it for crying out loud. Of course he did. And he claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the one that had, that had come to this earth to die for the sins of many and be the only hope people have. Our hope is not found in America. Our hope is not found in a political party. Our hope is not found in education. Our hope is not found in money. As human beings, the only hope we have is the hope of Jesus Christ. And as followers of Christ who have accepted him as our personal savior, he is the hope of our lives. And that hope is what we are called to share. Jesus was clear about his past, where he came from. He was clear about his purpose, what he was here for, the reason he was on earth. And one of the things I just love absolutely love about Jesus and him being, because Jesus was a carpenter uh, and carpenters in nowadays and carpentry is a a difficult job. My dad was a a carpenter uh, for many years. He was bivocational and uh, I've worked, I've, I've done roofing. Uh, I was a a lumper for roofers carrying those. Oh my goodness. The the stacks of uh, shingles up the ladders and uh, was, I'm not real good with heights, so I didn't like to go down to the edge. And I've hit many fingernails with a hammer. Uh, carpentry is tough work, man. It's difficult work. Jesus was a carf- carpenter. He was rough cut. Okay, Jesus didn't come from the ivory towers of education and, ca- and come down to earth. Jesus was a, a carpenter. He was a man's man. He had a man's man's occupation. Yet Jesus wore his feelings on his sleeve. I love about one of the things I just love about him. Jesus wore his feelings on his sleeve. He expressed sadness. When his friend, you you remember the story about Lazarus, when Lazarus died? And and Jesus saw all those who who were uh, so torn up because Lazarus had died. The Bible says Jesus wept. As Jesus, as he was preparing to enter Jerusalem, he looked over Jerusalem and the, the, the city from where he will rule one day. And he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the place that, that persecutes the prophets. I, I would love to just gather you under my wings as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you won't let me. And he wept. He cried over Jerusalem. He had amazing compassion. Though he was fatigued, though he was tired at the end of the day, we, we remember that in order for Jesus, to get to, for Jesus to get from place to place in his day and age, he had to walk. And they didn't have Nike Air Pegasus back then. They had Jesus shoes, right? They had sandals. And those sandals, uh, you know, the new technology wasn't out then. And Jesus walked with sandals. In the heat of the day, dusty roads. But when he got to a new place, the Bible says he looked on the crowd with compassion because they were as as sheep with no shepherd and he ministered to them. Despite his amazing fatigue, Jesus continued to pour out his heart of compassion to people. I imagine in Jesus' ministry, there were many sleepless nights or nights of very little sleep. Jesus showed great joy. He showed great, especially with children, right? Around children. Kids won't go, listen, 
My grandson, Jack, Zach and, and Tiffany are off again today. He'll be back. Uh, they'll be back next week. My grandson, Jack, um, I have to mug the kid to get a hug from him right now, okay? Now, partially because I look like a, a thug and I sound like a thug, but, but I have to mug Jack and I have to tickle him, you know, I get a little kiss from him and then I set him down and he runs away. If I hold him too long, which I may once in a while just because, um, he's, he'll cry and he'll get his, go to his father and his mother. Um, there's going to be a day when I just give him so much sugar that I'll just send him back just for fun. But, um, but absolutely. But um, kids know, uh, kids go to people they like. They flock to people they like. Adults, they flock to people, to adults that they like. And the kids, they, they flock to Jesus so much that his bodyguards, the disciples, the apostles, they, had, they tried to hold the children back. But Jesus, with joy in his heart, said, no, 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 let those kids come to me. Because that's what the kingdom of heaven is. This joy that these kids are expressing because they want to be around me, that's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Can you imagine how much that warmed his heart? The little children just wanted to come to him and, oh my goodness, amazing. Jesus expressed amazing joy. There was anger that Jesus expressed, right? He was, he was no doubt when the, the money changers were in the temple turning his, his, his father's house into a den of thieves. He made himself a whip and flipped over some tables and said, get out of here. Not in a kind way. And there were many other emotions that Jesus showed. I believe it was for a couple reasons. I think that he wanted to show the human side of him and show that it was okay. Many, many people grew up in, in churches where uh, emotions were to be suppressed, right? We're not allowed to show emotion. Uh, good Baptist churches, you're not allowed to raise your hand during worship. Not, not allowed. Not allowed. No nicks on the hand raising. But Jesus showed us that it's okay to be a, an emotional person. And it makes you more human and it makes you more like me if you're willing to be transparent with your emotions for others. I don't apologize for being a man of emotion. I just don't. I have no problem with that at all. I'm very secure. I'm, this is serious. I'm very secure in my manhood. Doesn't threaten me at all to cry. And I think it humanizes me and it humanizes especially men. It softens men who uh, are willing to be emotional. And for women to be able to share their emotions and the emotions of the joy, the love, and what Jesus has done for them. So Jesus was our example. He was transparent. That brings us to our next point, which really is the heart of this message. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. Each and every one of us that is here this morning, everyone that's ever been born, we all have a story. We have a story about our lives. We have a story of where we were, how we met Jesus, and where we are now. How we got to where we are. Your task in the Great Commission is to be able to tell your story effectively without fear or shame. Your task in the Great Commission, when it comes to transparency, is to be able and willing to tell your story effectively without fear and without shame. In Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20, Paul, Peter and John had been brought in because of uh, some good work they had done. It says, Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide, because they were being told, you can't preach in this name anymore. This is causing too much of a stir. This is causing too much of a ruckus. How awesome would it be if our town leaders or our city leaders had to try to quell the rise of faith and the powerful movement of faith in our area and say, listen, you can't do this anymore. You just can't do this anymore. Peter and John said, listen, you decide whether we should listen to you or to God. But look at the last part of that verse. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We are unable 
to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Gaither Vocal Band, um, I think it was back in the 80s, um, sang a song, Larnell Harris sang the lead on it, uh, called Can't Stop Talking. It's on YouTube if you want to look it up, the video. Can't Stop Talking. I love that. And when I think of that, and this is, this is honestly, truly in love, it's not any, not to be funny or in any way, I mean it. I think of my wife. Can't stop talking about Jesus. Can't stop talking about Jesus. All the time, man. All the time. All the time. Listen, that's where we should be. Peter and, Peter and John said, listen, you decide. And, and listen, this is the attitude. I, honestly, this is the attitude we should have about those in our lives. If we're true followers of Jesus, hey, you decide whether you like it or not. All right. You're going to make the laws you want to make. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna say what you want to say. All I know is this. I can't stop talking about what has happened to me in my life. I can't stop talking about the change that has taken place in my life. Is that easy all the time? Not at all, because we have difficult times, right? There are enormous things that come into our lives that God allows and Satan attacks with that press down and push down and push against our joy and try to compartmentalize our joy so that we don't want to speak. We become, we can become bitter and angry, and we be, even blame God for why things are happening the way they are. But the fact of the matter is, if we are truly going to follow Jesus Christ, we've got to understand that those things are going to happen in life. I learned long ago that not everybody's going to like me. I'm not going to be everybody's cup of sunshine. I've learned that a long time ago. I'm okay with that. I really am. I've got a beautiful wife. I've got children, most of whom like me. <laughs> Grandkids. I've got friends. I've got a church. And God is using me to do things. It doesn't matter if everybody likes me. All that matters is that I'm living my life for Jesus Christ in the way that I believe is the most effective for him. Everybody has a story. The secret is being able to tell it, learning how to tell it, and being effective with it. Listen, you may have taken a long and hard road to get here, but you're here. So you might as well make your story count, right? You're here now. You might as well make your story count. I always love, Brian will appreciate this, when uh, a surprise team makes it to the Final Four or to the Super Bowl, like the Seahawks, for example, okay? Or the Rams, right? We made it to the Super Bowl last year. And reporters ask the athlete, Are you, aren't you happy to be here? And I love the responses. Well, yeah, I'm happy to be here. But since I'm here, we might as well go ahead and win it. Right? Since we're, hey, you didn't expect me to make it. But since I'm here, hey, we might as well go ahead and win it. That's the way we are. Listen, you may never have expected, I won't, I won't ask you to raise your hand, unless you, maybe, maybe when you were younger, you never ever thought you would become a Jesus person. Right? Never, anybody like that? Yeah, that ain't happening for me. Ain't gonna happen for me. No how, no way. Right? Well, look at, what you, well, look at where you are now. You may never ever have thought that this would be your life. And you may just be incredibly thankful that this is where you are. What I'm saying to you is this. Since you're here, you might as well make your story count. Since you're here, you might as well do a little damage against the forces of darkness, right? You might as well do a little building for the kingdom of God since you're here already. Since you're secure in that love, you might as well just do a little something special with your life for Jesus Christ. I think it's important to know this. Your story is yours. It's not anybody else's. It's your story. People ask me quite often about other people. Not in a bad way. Like, 
Where'd they come from? What's their, I, I see that. What's, what's their story? I said, listen, it's not my story to tell. It's just not my story to tell. If you want to know what's, what somebody's all about and where they're from and, and how things happen, I might give general, uh, you know, Mike, Mike was from California. But I don't, unless I have permission from that person, I'm not going to tell their story. I'm not going to tell your story. You know why? Because it's not my story to tell, and it's not my responsibility to tell your story. It's your responsibility to tell your story to anyone and everyone who will listen. I can't stop talking about it. It's a story of how you came to know Jesus as your Savior. It's the story of how he has changed your life. Some of you, if you accepted Christ later, even if you were, even if you were a Christian as a teenager, you may not have been the, 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 most, um, the most vocal. You may not have been the president of the youth group, right? But there are those who, who would probably very, be very surprised that you are where you are today in faith, right? People you grew up with, people who knew you, people who you uh, may have gone out and and done things that you weren't supposed to at that age, right? People you had a little party time with. They may be very shocked that you are where you are right now. And it's, it's your privilege and your responsibility to share with them how you got here. How did, how did you get, how, what happened? You're so different. You're so di- your, your life is so different. What happened, man? I mean, that's a, if that ever happens to you, wow, that's an open door to just run through, right? It's your story to tell. That's what I, your story is yours to tell, and you need to be able to tell it. Before you can be truly effective and believable with your story, I believe there are some things that we need to understand about transparency for a Christian. It's your story, and you need to be able to tell it. But I think there's also some foundational things that we need to understand about our story and how to to make it um, more effective. First thing is this. A transparent Christian story is unique. All of our stories are unique. Understand that. Although you may have come to Christ in a similar way to someone else, and you may have a similar background as someone else. Your story is uniquely yours. Your story is uniquely yours. There's only one person that knows your story the very best. Only one person who can tell it the very best. Because your story is unique to you. And a transparent Christian story is unique because, first of all, it requires healing. Because everyone is broken. A transparent uh, Christian story will contain an understanding of the fact that there was healing involved because every one of us is broken. The worst thing we can do, I believe, as Christians is to act. Is to act, okay? Act, air quotes, godly, too godly. I'm not talking about living a godly life and putting godly principles, but if you're you're putting on a facade, and we'll touch on that here in in a little bit, if you're putting on a facade for other people, like life doesn't touch you, like you don't struggle, like you don't have a past, like you didn't go through mud to get to where you are, then you're just not being honest. You're just, and listen, I'm not saying you have to go through, well, you have to, to go through every little detail, but don't act in front of people, don't make it look to people like you're, you're not, you weren't a broken person. Because everybody's broken. And the commonality of a broken life, the commonality of struggle, the commonality of a great need of healing in our lives is what draws us together as a church and also what reaches out to other people. There are a lot of people in your, in your same general um, state of life. Second thing is that it requires honesty, as I said, because everyone has a facade. It requires honesty. Now, you might get a little offended when I say that, but it's true. Once again, I won't ask you to raise your hands, 
But how many of you waltz in here on a Sunday morning as if everything's great, but you wanted to beat the ever-loving fire out of your kids to get here? Right? I know none of you have ever been there. I have. Yeah. Not because my boys don't want to be here, but because it's Gabriel and Michael. Yeah. And Satan wants to, Satan doesn't want you to be here. So he's going to throw roadblocks up. I would, I personally, I would much rather um, say, you know what? It was an incredibly difficult morning to get here. Now that's really prettying things up. And I'm going to the coat hangers on the wall or the thumb screws in the basement, which we don't have. But it's not all peaches and cream and smiling faces when we get here. It's a struggle to get here, right? Honesty. And in your life, it's not all, it's not all wonderful. Everything is great in our Christian lives. There is a struggle in our lives, a struggle to breathe sometimes because things get so oppressive in your life, because life gets so heavy, because the difficulties that, that come your way are so difficult. Loss is not easy to deal with. Struggle is not easy to deal with. A marriage that is, is, it's not on the rocks, but you can see them from the boat you're in, right? That's not easy to deal with. So let's not, let's not lie to others and say that life is just wonderful and happy times and balloons. Take off the facade and let people see that you're a real person that deals with real life issues in a supernatural way with the power of Jesus Christ. It requires grace because everyone falls sometimes. Every one of us falls. Every one of us struggles. Every one of us falls into, uh, falls away from Jesus. Every one of us sins at some point in our lives. We're not perfect. If you could be perfect, 1 John 1, 9 would not be in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, and he'll forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you're not going to be perfect. You can't be sinless, but you can try to sin less. Right? But you need to understand and make part of your story and make sure people in your life know that your story requires grace because everyone falls. It requires courage. Being a transparent Christian requires courage because everyone can reach someone And everyone needs to reach someone. I was a youth pastor for 20, I forget exactly how many. The mind is the first thing to go. It was a joke. Thank you for the laughs. Uh, I was a youth pastor for over 20 years. The farther I get away from youth pastoring and teenage age, understand this. We get older, teenagers don't, okay? Teenagers, by the definition of teenager, will always be teenagers. New teenagers will come in, but you will always deal with teenagers, right? I don't get kids. I don't get teenagers anymore, Mike, okay? Bless you, my child. <laughs> you guys are just fine, all right? It's, it's, a, it's a long road from there to here. It's tough. It's difficult. I, and I say that to say this, generally, more times than not, somebody like me at my age is not just going to be, there are, there are kids that I can reach. There are kids that I can talk with. But generally, there, the, the, ga- the gap in age is a little too wide. So what they need is somebody somebody that's still cool, somebody that knows how to use Instagram. It's an app, right? Snapchat. Which one, which one doesn't stay on your phone very long? Is it Snapchat? Oh, great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> she made this face on Snapchat. <clears throat> I, I don't get this. And I, you know what? You know, I, I don't, I don't really, I haven't really tried, even Twitter. I don't tweet because it, it just, come on, come on. 
I, it just sounds Twitter, you know. But I don't, I don't understand how to use Snapchat. And can I be real honest, Cliff? As a 56-year-old father of five, grandfather of, of, of five, can I be real honest? <laughs> I don't get it. I just, seriously, man, I, what's the attraction? I don't, I don't sit around with your phone and I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather go out and play baseball or go for a bike ride or go out for a walk with my dogs. I don't, and I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm trying to show you the relevance of, and the, the, the relevance of being able to everybody reach somebody because I don't get those things. You sit down and try to talk to me about Snapchat and I'm going to be like, yeah, what did the Dodgers do yesterday? <laughs> but you, those of you who like this, there's things about you that will attract others to you and will attract you to others. And that purpose, the reason for that is so that you can share your story in an effective way. So the people can see Jesus in you. Someone who is very much like them. Does that make sense? Someone who is very much like them in their lives. Someone who they have a lot of commonalities with. They can find common ground with. It requires courage to be a transparent Christian. Because everybody can reach somebody. And everybody needs to reach somebody. The leadership of a church can't do it all on their own. And it's not our responsibility. We all have responsibility. One of the things that is happening, I believe, in, in churches, to, a, to our detriment, I'll say this, and it's, it's my opinion. I'm not taking a stab at anybody. It's my opinion. I'm seeing a lot of pastors become CEOs of their church. And they're not, they're not having one-on-one -on -one contact with individuals. God didn't call me to be a CEO. My gifting, as my spiritual gifting as a man is to be a pastor. My calling is to be a Christian and a witness and a missionary. Not my calling to, to run a business. It's my calling. My, my gifting is to be a pastor, but my calling is to share Jesus Christ with everybody I can. Therefore, I believe for me, just for me, I'm not, please, I'm not saying anything about anybody else, okay? For me, it would be wrong for me to put myself in that position where I no longer have contact with people. Where you have to go through others to get to me. Okay? And let me just make an application. I don't have to go to anybody to get to Jesus. Why should anybody have to go through somebody to get to me? Who am I? I'm just a sinner saved by grace, right? I'm just one beggar who needs to be able to tell another beggar where to find bread, right? Every one of us has a responsibility to share and reach out. That's why it requires courage to be transparent. Because it's not fun to talk about life, is it? Fun to talk about the good times. Listen, I'll tell you all I want. Uh, you want to talk to me about baseball tryouts? Says Brian, I'll tell you what, man. Got two champs. Got two champs growing up in my house. These boys are good. I can say that because it's not DNA. We adopted them. Those boys are good. Seriously, man. Gabriel has a shotgun for an arm. He's a left-handed pitcher, no doubt. Michael, I think he's going to be a catcher. Don't run on him. And Michael's, Michael swings at the ball like, like, the ball, like, like, like the ball is his enemy. He wants to murder the thing. I love that. He swings, oh my gosh, and he hits it. It just sounds different. You know what I'm talking about. It sounds different when it comes off his bat. Gabriel, smooth, easy power. Left-handed hitter, boom, and the ball just jumps off. I love that. I love that. I forget how I got on that. <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yes, yes. You want to talk to me about my boys? I'll talk about baseball and them all day long. And many of us, it'll, it's easy to talk about the things we love, right? It's easy to talk about the good things in life. And the good things are effective when we talk to, to others about Jesus. You know what's also, what I believe is much more effective? Your story. Your story. Your story is not all about the good times in life now, is it? When you sit down and talk about things that you don't like to talk about at parties with people, your story 
is your story. People are broken. People need grace. People need your story. They need the courage in your life to be transparent with them to share what Jesus did for you. And lastly, and we'll, we'll stop here today, being a transparent Christian requires preparation and practice because it needs to be effective. It requires preparation and practice because it needs to be effective. Not talking about staged. The Bible says, be ready to answer everyone who asks about the hope that is in you. You need to be ready and willing to share your story with those who ask. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being in your house today. God, we have experienced your presence. We've worshiped today. It's been a great day in your house. God, thank you so much for those who chose to worship with us, who came out here today and, uh, and spent their time with us, God. So awesome. I'm so, I, I feel so privileged and honored to be able to have worship to them and have a small part in, uh, in their celebration of their faith today. God, I pray that each one of us will realize the importance of our lives and our stories to the building of your kingdom. God, it's vital, you've said so, that we are not ashamed, but we have courage and are willing to share with others what you have done for us. There's a road to travel to get there, to be effective. God, I pray that we'll take the first steps on that path. As we go from here today, God, may we honor you. May our lives be uh, lights and beacons for others to see and ask about. Bless us, Lord. May we go forward as worshipers, telling our story to others. In your name we pray. Amen.